Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 140 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 140 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from Rogers Place in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I thought this was a really good show. I'm going to briefly run through the card because I am a little short for time, but I got you covered nonetheless as we kick things off with the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair alongside Alexa Bliss and Asuka as she calls out Bailey and the rest of Damage Control after last week's beatdown on her crew. But she realizes that Bailey can't fight her battles on her own. And Bailey comes out and she brags about last week's beatdown. And then I don't like the turn the promo took because she says that Bianca Belair was gifted this opportunity. It was handed to her. She was the chosen one. Bailey wanted to do this and she was 12 years old. She has a true passion for wrestling and she's destined to become women's champion once again. Let me be perfectly clear. Everybody's paths to wrestling are completely different. Bianca Belair began wrestling about six years ago and she worked her way from the bottom to the top. I saw the progression from developmental to the Mae Young Classic through NXT to the pre-show at WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans back in 2018, all the way to when she could have won the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver New York, had a standout performance in War Games three years ago as well, up until main eventing last year's WrestleMania against Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. The climb to the top has been a long and arduous journey for Bianca Belair. I was heated when she wasn't added to the NXT Women's Championship match between Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania 36. We thought it was going to be at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, but it ended up being at the Performance Center in Orlando during the early days of the pandemic. So I have clamored for the Bianca Belair championship push for a number of years. Nothing was given to her. Nothing was handed to her. She won the Warrior Rumble in 2021. She earned everything she got. So the narrative of things being handed to her, in my humble opinion, is bullshit. So I don't like that take when it comes to Bianca Belair's success in WWE. I take the same offense to people coming for Charlotte Flair and who her father is. Guess what? Charlotte's got to put in the work to be great in the ring. And she's done that over the last 10 years. So I really don't want to hear those arguments of you're the chosen one and this was given to you and this and that and the third. I don't give a shit. I really don't. That storytelling is dead for me and I don't care for it very much. And Bianca had a good clapback saying, well, I was doing my work on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw as champion. You're rehabbing your knee. So who are you to say about what I'm doing? Focus about what you're doing. And now you need more help to take me on a year later. And Bianca mentions her match against Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship inside Hell in a Cell last summer. And she remembers the finish of hitting the KOD on Bailey on top of a ladder. And Bailey gets the idea to face Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship in a ladder match at Extreme Rules next Saturday in Philly. And Bianca accepts the challenge. And she is going to face Io Sky in the opening match to prove her point that she can beat anybody in damage control. And that'll be a message sent to Bailey head of their matchup for the Raw Women's Championship next weekend. I thought this was an okay way to kick off the show. Bailey's dialogue did not do very much for me because of the you're the chosen one and I worked harder and longer than you. Didn't care for that aspect of it, but I was totally here for Bianca Belair versus Zio Sky that kicked off the in-ring portion of Monday Night Raw. They had a match last month that was really good. This was equally as good. And I thought that they showed up showed out 
crowd got hot towards the end as well as Bianca Belair shows off her power by tossing around Io Sky with fall away slam suplexes rolling through into a secondary suplex blocking her Karanas into backbreakers but Io Sky had her moments as well with a palm fist strike to Bianca Belair double knees in the corner as well at one point Io goes for another her Karana off the top rope Bianca blocks it goes for a power bomb but Io is going to counter with a top rope arm drag in a pretty cool spot Bianca has highlighted this match by catching a crossbody by Io Sky in two. The aforementioned follow slam with some height and some elevation to it for a very close near fall. At one point, Bailey and Dakota Kai are going to save Io from a fall, but Bianca wipes out damage control with a crossbody and she is going to wipe out Io with the KOD a short time later for the win. A very good match. Nice showcase for both ladies as they turned it up in Edmonton in the best possible way. Now, Next up is Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio to a new rivalry from over two years ago. And I have tried to forget Extreme Rules. I take that back. The horror show at Extreme Rules when Seth popped out Rey's eye, the fake eyeball spot that completely sucked. And I loved when Rey and Seth wrestled traditionally later that year. This gave us Dominic versus Seth at SummerSlam in the Thunderdome a couple of years ago as well. Very good match for Dom. And since then, the tide has turned. Dominic is now a member of Judgment Day. He's flipped on his father. And Seth is an egomaniac going after Riddle and now Ray because he got in Ray's business last week. And Ray says, "Uh uh-uh, I might not touch my son in terms of making him pay for what he's done, but I can certainly have no mercy for Seth Rollins. And as always, these guys have a really good match. Ray sends a message first with a drop kick that rocks Seth before sending him into the still steps face first. And that busts Seth open As we go to commercial break, we come back and Seth is bleeding a little bit from the forehead, but he works through this match like an absolute boss by giving Ray the business. He slides Ray stomach first on the outside in a very rough spot. And this leads to Dominic Mysterio coming out with a steel chair in hand and he eyeballs Seth because they got history and he tells Seth, you're all good. Takara Mo, man, as we go to commercial break, we come back and Seth is trying to commit sacrilege by doing three amigos. In honor of the great late Eddie Guerrero and to mock Ray at the exact same time, Dominic sat approvingly at ringside as Rollins popped those hips better than Dom. But the shimmy absolutely sucked. Thankfully, Ray blocked the third amigo with a DDT, followed by a block of the Balka Bomb with her Karana into the turnbuckles, followed by a Cita Seton and a crossbody from the top rope for two. Rollins lands a Falcon Arrow a short time later, but Ray is going to counter with a nice sliding splash on Rollins on the outside. Ray goes for another splash of the ring for a near fall. Seth regains control and goes for a top rope power bomb, but Ray counters to her. Karana lands the 619 at one point, but once again, Dominic is going to beg his father to hit him with a steel chair. Ray refuses, rehops over the barricade and sends Ray face first into the ring post, and Dom and Rhea laugh at Ray's misery as Dominic throws his father back in the ring, which is going to enable Seth to land the curb stomp. And he is going to send a message to Riddle by locking in the Peruvian necktie as Ray's already asleep. It's a way to add insult to injury ahead of Rollins versus Riddle in a fight pit match at Extreme Rules next Saturday in Philadelphia. I thought this was a very good match. The distractions were a little less annoying on the show but it's a way to further tell the story of ray eventually snapping and hitting his son for going a wee bit too far in due time next up is johnny gargano and kevin owens 
representing the Panda Express versus American Alpha, Chad Gable, and Otis. I thought this was a really good tag team match. Owens is over in Edmonton. It is his home country, of course, and he shows up and shows out in the best possible way. And he's going to lock in a sharpshooter in honor of one of the greatest Canadians of all time, Brett the Hitman Hart. And Corey's going to say, it's a scorpion deathlock, whatever, Corey. So he has Chad Gable locked in the sharpshooter Otis breaks things up and from there this match becomes really good as Johnny wrestling and Chad Gable have outstanding in-ring chemistry one hiccup was a kick that did not quite land on Chad Gable but they worked through it as Gable delivered back-to-back northern light suplexes in a great spot at one point Kevin Owens is going to super kick Otis twice to have him land on the announce table and he is going to deliver an elbow drop that sends Otis crashing through said announce table as the crowd Pops is back to Johnny Wrestling and Chad Gable in the ring, putting in that work. And at one point, Austin Theory appears with his Money in the Bank briefcase. The distraction allowed Gable to land a beautiful cliffhanger DDT on Gargano for a near fall. Johnny Wrestling is going to catch Theory at ringside, trying to hit him from behind with that Money in the Bank briefcase. He rocks through with a super kick. He gets back in the ring and lands one final beat on Gable for the win. The sell job of the one final beat DDT by Gable was tremendous as Gargano and Owens picks up the win to wrap up a very fun tag team match that the Edmonton crowd ate up due to Owens being so damn over right now with the people in the best possible way. Next up is Omos beating two dudes pretty decisively. And he stacks them on top of each other on the announce table. And I thought he was going to put them through the table again after they just fixed the table. But that was not the case. I don't care for Omos beating up two squash dudes at this point. And I find little value for Omos on Monday Night Raw. He's not a very good worker. He has size in his favor. That's about it. And when you're back to squashing people after being on this show for two years, former tag team champion alongside AJ Styles, and you can't beat Bobby Lashley without MVP's help, and you lose a feud anyway, your ceiling of what you can do in a meaningful way has been reached unless they book Omos versus Strowman, which could be something to say the least whenever it could take place on WWE television. Cause that's the only big hoss smash that kind of makes sense. But the question is, can Omos hold his own? Cause Strowman at least can be mobile enough to show off his power and speed when need be Omos. Not so much, very limited in terms of his mobility, but we'll see what WWE does with them if they ever do anything in the weeks and or months to come. You never know when it comes to WWE booking. Next up is Nikki A.S.H. versus Candice LeRae, her main roster debut, her return to WWE after having a baby about six or seven months ago and she looks in tremendous shape she got a nice pop from the crowd but it was kind of lukewarm because you know Candace spent a lot of her time in NXT and it's going to take some people getting to see her work and realizing how great she is and then she'll be over in due time but nice pop nonetheless in Edmonton as she wipes out Nikki with a top rope neck breaker for the win and Nikki flips out by removing her superhero mask and I'm really praying we get Nikki Cross back my favorite crazy psycho lady that brings it every time I want sanity Nikki Cross back ASAP and I want Candace to thrive on the main roster and dare I say she might be eligible for war games heading into Survivor Series in a couple of months time on Peacock next up is Sami Zayn versus the phenomenal AJ Styles and I thought this was a really good match Sami Zayn 
gave us a little Air Generico from way back when by landing a slingshot springboard moonsault on Styles at one point in a pretty great spot. Lands an orange crush as well on Styles for two Styles fights back with the forearm on the outside to Zayn. As we go to another commercial break at one point, Styles is going to rock Zayn with an Twitter suplex in the corner. Zayn fights off a couple of Styles clash attempts. At one point, he sends Styles into the ring post, face first repeatedly, tosses him over the barricade to get the kind of victory. Styles gets back in the ring and he is going to absolutely nail a Pele kick on Sami Zayn as we go to commercial break. We come back and Zayn lands the Exploder Suplex to Styles in the corner. He's going to go for the Huluva kick, but Styles counters with the Calf Crusher and he's going to make Sami submit, but Sami grabs the ropes and in doing so he's going to grab AJ's hair and that distraction leads to Solo getting involved he was basically watching the match from afar this entire time but the enforcer enforces things by landing a Yuanagi two styles on the hardest part of the ring you guessed it a ring apron and Sammy takes advantage by landing the haluva kick on AJ Styles for the win to rep the bloodline as the honorary ooze it should be noted the fans adored Sammy last night he's so over right now as well we know that heartbreak is coming his way very soon when the bloodline excommunicate him but in the meantime he's so great as this lovable guy that is happy to be an honorary ooze and I love him for it and I'm glad that WWE gave him a win last night to make the bloodline proud on Friday Night Smackdown to piss off Jey Uso even more so after the match is over AJ Styles is joined by Judgment Day's Dominic Mysterio Damian Priest Rhea Ripley and leader Finn Balor as he tells Styles that you don't have to go it alone. You can have us by your side, helping you, protecting you, being there for you. Come on. Let's rub the two sweet sign. And AJ goes forth and flips Finn the Bird. He gets beat down and demolished by Judgment Day. They wrap a chair around AJ's neck and Finn is going to stomp on it, but he stops. Shows a bit of mercy saying, listen, I still care about you. It's all love here, but you got to fall in line or else because next time he's not going to be so generous to wrap up the segment. A lot of heat for Judgment Day on the show. I really enjoy it. They're hitting their groove right now. And to see big dick energy Finn Balor in his element with swagger and confidence and sex appeal is so great to see. This is the Finn I adored on NXT back in 2019 when he turned heel initially on Johnny Wrestling and one of the greatest Pele kick spots ever when he feigned joining the crew and sided with himself over the Undisputed Era and Ciampa and Gargano at the time. So I love this Finn Balor just being a dick and possessing all of that big dick energy. It is long overdue. I dreamed for days like this and not smiling ass Finn Balor, who I like to, but surly badass Finn is Finn at his best. And I'm glad we're seeing this showcase via a faction, which I've also begged for for the last five or so years. And now it is time for our weekly recap of The Miz being tortured by Dexter Loomis. So Miz hires his own security detail to protect him all night long. And Loomis chokes out and or beats up the entire security crew. Miz is dressed in all black, looking casket sharp. Because when you feed him with Dexter Loomis, you might as well dress for the occasion. So in a great sight gag, Dexter Loomis is decked out in Edmonton Oilers gear. And he is going to remove the helmet and the Miz knows, oh shit, I'm fucked. This guy is behind me. He's going to kill me in kayfabe. And sure enough, Dexter Loomis does just that by hitting the Miz low in the groin with a hockey stick. He smashes that hockey stick over the Miz's back before putting him to sleep with the silencer. And he gently caresses the Miz's face as he puts him to sleep again. 
This is a very creepy storyline. I love it because Dexter Loomis as our residential friendly kayfabe serial killer is the best. He makes this campy shit work and The Miz is playing his part to perfection as you try to figure out why Dexter is stalking The Miz and choking him out on a bi-weekly basis. And now it is time for our main event featuring Damian Priest versus Matt Riddle. And I gotta say this was a really good main event and Riddle and Priest in real life are great friends. And you can tell because their trust level in the ring is great. I felt like like I was watching a Tekken battle of people striking back and forth, countering like it's a video game. And I dug it. They're both strikers. They're both shoot fighters in some ways, which I respect. And I digged the offense throughout. Riddle was beat down for a lot of this match as he delivered his knee strikes beautifully give you gut wrench suplexes here t-bone there but he got dropped with an absolutely sickening broken arrow that sent him back first into the barricade the edge of the barricade on the outside as we go to commercial break and he's screaming that his back is killing him and you can tell because that was a sick bump he took on the edge of that barricade we come back and priest is still working over riddle for a bit but as always he makes a great baby face comeback by landing a knee strike and a springboard dive on the outside that rocks priest But unfortunately for Riddle, Priest regains control as he's going to shove Riddle off the top rope and into the barricaded ringside. Then he throws him into the other side of the barricade by the announce table once again as we go to our final commercial break with Riddle in even more pain than he was before. But he makes another good comeback by delivering a avalanche fisherman suplex off the top rope for a near fall. They exchange counters for a bit and they are laying in shots. Damian lands a bell clap, but Riddle is going to drop Priest with Bro Derek for a very close near fall that pops a crowd. Riddle goes up top again. Ripley causes a distraction, which allows Priest to land a clothesline or flatliner combo for two. Priest goes for a springboard kick, but Riddle catches him in midair with a knee strike, which was absolutely gnarly. Once again, Riddle is distracted courtesy of Balor, and Riddle is going for the RKO a couple of times, and he's blocked. The crowd is popping for this potential finisher. It does not happen, but eventually he does land a clever small package on Priest for the win. Very good match. I loved the stiffness of this match via the strikes from Riddle and Priest. It was seamless. It just flowed really well together. And that is the Priest I remember on NXT when he found himself over two years ago. This is a riddle. This is not as reliant on being a Randy Orton cosplayer. And I love RK bro, but he was relying too much on Randy's greatest hits and he's back to being Matthew Riddle. Very thankful for that. He gets swarmed by Judgment Day once again until we get the surprise return of Edge. Edge in Edmonton. He comes back. He spears Priest and Finn Balor. Dominic and Rhea don't want that smoke. And Edge tells Finn, I don't give up. I never quit. If I did so, I wouldn't be here right now. Nine years later, I don't give up. I find a way to make a comeback. And I'm going to challenge you. First time ever, Finn Balor versus Edge in an I Quit match at Extreme Rules is official. And I'm looking forward to it. I go back to Edge appearing on NXT Black and Gold over a year ago. And he was chasing after the NXT Championship, possibly in a match at WrestleMania against Finn, who was a champ at the time, which was a nice nod of respect to say that champion equally matters as much as the WWE and or Universal Championship. And I cannot wait to see Edge versus Finn Balor. I quit style. I had high hopes for Edge versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. The chemistry never came together. Sometimes oil and water doesn't mix. I hope that Finn 
and AJ click in the ring. I think they will. We'll see. We saw the magic between Edge and Seth Rollins this time last year. So I really hope we get to see that via Edge and Finn in an I Quit match at Extreme Rules next Saturday in Philadelphia. And this wraps up a very good Monday Night Raw. Edmonton was a very good crowd, sold out over 12,000 people in the building, having a great time. The White Rabbit continues to hop around. It's a great marketing viral campaign by WWE. We presume it's Bray Wyatt, but the clues are all over the place, including some references to Aleister Black and that is not happening anytime soon. But the scavenger hunt is still fun. You get these QR codes dropping throughout the show, people scanning them and looking for shit to find out what does this mean? And it's a lot of fun to see how the fans are trying to figure these clues out every single Monday and Friday. Now, this needs to end between Extreme Rules and the season premiere of Monday Night Raw at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York in a couple of weeks time. That needs to be the culmination of this journey for the White Rabbit, who we presume to be Bray Wyatt in all likelihood. And I cannot wait to see how he reinvents himself and having creative autonomy over this character is going to mean a lot because I know he clashed heads a lot with Vince in terms of his creative and I hope that he has the freedom to do what he wants to do and just go balls out in a very fun and creative way. And we'll see how it goes as the White Rabbit continues to hop around the border and the U.S. at the exact same time. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 140 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do, search Receptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 88 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's revamped development of brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.